0: You're listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIner, a place for you to find encouragement to fully live your uniquely beautiful life.
1: Hi friends, welcome back to the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast. I'm your host, Heather McIneer, and I'm so glad you're tuning in. I want to thank you for joining us each week as we bring you stories of redemption and beauty in hopes that you will find encouragement to go out and fully live your own uniquely beautiful story. Our podcast is brought to you by Cedar Creek Dental Associates. If you are near Oklahoma City looking for quality dental care, be sure to check out their website at okcsmile.com. I promise you will find an amazing staff and top-notch dental care to keep you smiling for years to come. I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest. She's been a dear friend for almost 20 years. And today, she intimately talked with me about the most difficult season of loss she's ever endured, but also has such practical advice for how we can love those around us through their messy and difficult seasons. You might even want to take notes. So, listen up, because here's my chat with Vicki Banks. Vicki Banks is the Women's Ministry Director at Council Road Baptist Church. She's also a Bible study teacher, a disciple maker, a writer and the author of four books. Two were children's books that were published by Council Road, and the other two are Christian Living Books for Women by a Traditional Publishing House. And the first book she published was Love Letters to My Baby. Second book is Sharing His Secrets, Intimate Insights from the Women Who Knew Jesus. So definitely check out some of her books. You can find those in bookstores. You can find them on Amazon. Her books are awesome. Mostly, though, Vicki is a highly relational gal, and I can attest to that. <laughs> she's a passionate Christ follower. She's wife to Brian, mom to Casey and Parker, mother-in-law. She's Mimi, and she's a great friend. So I am so excited for our listeners to meet you today, Vic. But before we go there, I would just love for you to give us uh, just a snapshot of who you are. What does your day-to-day look like? Who do you live it with? <laughs> you wear a lot of hats, so... <laughs> well, pretty much the only
0: consistent things in my day-to-day life are that um, I live with a really great man Brian we're getting ready to celebrate our 35th anniversary Woo-hoo! in a couple of months whoop, whoop. <laughs> and he is truly one of the few people that does truly get better with age so Aww. he's the one consistent in my life he's who I have dinner with every night and Jesus And after that my days change i um, <laughs> Uh considered part-time at church, and so I'm in the office two days a week, and then I usually, a day or two um, outside of the office, I'm working on things, or oftentimes late at night, because mm-hmm. I'm a night owl. Yes. I keep my granddaughter one day a week, um, which makes me sound so old. Seriously, every time I say that out loud, I'm like, how did that happen? Oh. A grandmother, for crying out loud. But um, anyway, and other than that, the any other time is filled with trying to stay on top of my world and uh, getting good time with friends. You know, I'm a quality time girl, yes. so I really don't care what we do as long as we do it together. And so um, those are the real consistent things in my life. I mean, I, I do um, edit our blog. I edit our councilroadwomen.org website. So every week I'm editing a couple of posts or writing. I'm a contributing writer to that planning out all of those. So that's happening during that um, during the week. Um, I have been forming a year-long discipleship plan, so pretty intense. So just started piloting that. So I do spend a lot of time still kind of working on that, um, kind of filling in the bones of it. But just uh, trying to enjoy life and, uh, you know, just keep it on top of it. <laughs> what
1: well, you do. challenge. <laughs> you do a very good job of enjoying life. I, I enjoy life. I don't know uh, many women that take that as seriously as you that's do true. celebrating your people, enjoying the moment. Yeah. That's who you are. i celebrator would have
0: to be one of the top adjectives.
1: You know, like I said, we go way back. Um, We have worked together through ministry stuff. We've taught Bible studies together. We've taught married couples together. We traveled together <laughs> with my three-month-old baby tagging along and <laughs> yeah. both of our husbands. We've done conferences together, yeah. shared a room, mm-hmm. <laughs> forgot a lot of items. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I think you forgot your bottoms and I forgot my top yeah. or something for PJs. And we, we were like,
0: like we are a mess. Why did
1: anyone ask us to come speak? We can't even remember our PJs. Why <laughs> like our husbands last out of the house? Oh, my gosh. So we have lived a ton of life. Um. But I, I really will never forget the season that I would love for you to share with us um, today because of a lot of different things. First of all, as your friend watching this whole thing unfold, it just felt like a really terrible movie. <laughs> it it felt like it was there's, a bad movie. there's yeah. no way that something else can happen mm-hmm. and then something else would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the amount of loss, the amount of Uh, just emotional turmoil that you and Brian both were in and your kids were at pivotal ages. I mean, just watching the whole play out, whole thing play out was just heartbreaking as a friend. Uh, You feel kind of helpless. Like how, how can we help? What can we do? Um, But then the other thing that on the flip side, equally as huge in my mind is the way that you guys walked through it. Um, And some of the things I want you to share today in the second part of our interview is how, how you actually managed to walk through it with the amount of grace that you did, and um, you were very real and vulnerable about your emotions and about the way that you felt like your wa- your world was literally coming unglued, mm-hmm. but you also were very grounded in your beliefs, in your faith, in who God was, even though you were experiencing Him in a new and different way. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for that, and so I just hope that today— that you're able to share with some of that honesty and transparency with our listeners. Cause I have no doubt there's women on the other side of this um, podcast who are in the middle sure. of a super Absolutely. messy, confusing season. Every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to pretend like those ladies are pulling <laughs> up a chair and they're with us here in the studio. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'd love for you just take us back to 2006. Everything was just popping along like a regular life, raising kids and just take us there, how it this was. whole thing unfolded.
0: My daughter, my firstborn, was a senior in high school. She was a class officer. She's a vocalist. And so it was a, I had taken off of speaking that year because well, I have a definite case of FOMO, fear of missing out, <laughs> and didn't want to miss out on a single thing. And because mm. she was my firstborn, I really didn't know what all to expect with all the senior stuff. But mm. I knew whatever there was, she'd be in the middle of it because of her role as a class officer as a vocalist, um, as a voice student, and just who she is, a very strong leader. Mm. And so, so she was a senior. My son, Parker, was a freshman, so it was his first year in high school. And so we were just, you know, yeah, we were just doing life as a family. We have a very small family. Brian and I each just have one sister. We live within 15 minutes of virtually everyone we're related to. Uh, very close, you know, celebrate every birthday, every everything. And um, see each other a whole lot. So anyway, just in the middle, doing life, heavily involved in ministry at church, leading Bible studies, discipling women, just loving it in the midst of it all. And then things got really messy about Christmas time. And Brian's mom was put in the hospital. She's had health problems our whole married life. She's had them her whole life. But she went in the hospital the day after Christmas. And his grandfather, who lived with his parents, started really going down. His grandfather is was my grandfather essentially mm-hmm. i had lunch with him every week without my husband very mm-hmm. close relationship much closer than any of my grandparents went to him for all sorts of advice counsel chose to name my son after him mm-hmm. i mean significant part of my life anyway his health started going down when Irene, my mother-in-law went in the hospital so we were caring for him back and forth between going to the hospital and seeing his mother. I had to say goodbye to her several times. We thought she was leaving. So this is the last half of my daughter's senior year and my son's first year in high school. So also trying to just manage that and make sure that they were seeing it, you know, in a healthy manner. But but Papa got really bad. Irene got really bad. And then uh, in April, the month before my daughter graduated, I was just sitting having a conversation with my mom, just like we are. She and I remember it so clearly. I mean, I remember her telling me she liked the way I was wearing my makeup. Was I doing something different? Mm. I was sitting there addressing graduation announcements to my daughter when all of a sudden my mom just stopped talking and she got this really weird look in her eye. And I don't know what it was, but I knew instantly something was very wrong. And I knew she was trying to say something to me, but she wasn't making any sounds or anything like that. But there was just this look in her eye and... Um, she was in the hospital for the first time in her adult life. She just had knee surgery and was recovering beautifully. And so I ran out in the hall, got the nurse and they came in, they called a code blue and she was gone Mm. just like that. I mean, we were in the middle of a conversation. So the only Mm. people I'd ever really known that had passed away had suffered for a really long time. So this was a total shock. My mother-in-law died one week later. (laughs) So in two months, uh, we lost three significant family members in a very small family. Uh,
1: mm.
0: My son, who'd never been to a funeral, carried a casket in three funerals. My daughter sang. Mm. I wrote three obituaries mm. uh, for people who I were the dearest to me in life. When my husband went to order the third casket, they gave him a discount oh. because they felt so bad. Oh. I mean, it, my best friend Jetta called me Job. It <laughs> was, and that's the cliff note version. I... So <laughs> I've never been prone to fear or anxiety at all. And all I could think of was the first time I was really scared for my marriage. Mm. I mean, I remember where I was sitting in the car when Brian and I drove up in the driveway. And I remember sitting there thinking, what's going to happen to us? Mm. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. Well, when one falls down, the other can lift each other up. What happens when you're both at rock bottom? Who lifts who up here? Mm. And I remember being afraid that I wasn't going to be able to comfort him. We are very close. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know what kind of relationship we have. And so that was so heartbreaking. But I could hardly even see, much less, encourage anybody else. Mm. So really frightened for him, frightened for my kids. Were they processing it okay? I felt like I was such a mess that I didn't feel like I could take care of anybody else. And I have two grieving father-in-laws. You know, my dad was a mess, you Mm. know. He did not have a strong faith. My mother was his person, his best friend. Mm. Um anyway so yeah that was that was really that was a messy messy season and then a year later my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer so mm. he's still in the wretched throes of grief mm-hmm. so then we had three years where we walked through him with that and our family dog died our puppy oh my gosh. died
1: our you
0: know, I forgot
1: I, you lost two dogs.
0: I lost the ministry I had. You know, I had taken off the speaking for a year. Hadn't even really noticed that my calendar wasn't booked up after mm-hmm. that. I mean, you know, normally I booked about a year, year and a half in advance. Hadn't really noticed it. But God, in his wisdom, you know, in his omnipotence, he knew what was coming.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I remember even starting to come to that. I didn't know what to do. <laughs>
1: right, right. You
0: know, I can remember going to church. Uh, this is an example of something I've never shared with you, but. Um, I can remember going to church and you know that, um, uh, that piece of furniture where we keep our Bible study box at church. I can remember going to get it one time and it had always, there'd always been two boxes in that cabinet. One said Wednesday night Bible study, one said Thursday. But when I went for some reason, the box said Heather's box. And I remember thinking, they really don't need me here. Mm. And I knew in my in years of Bible study that that's not right. that mm-hmm. gives us gifts. Mm-hmm. To, you know, we're all to use them, but that's how I felt. I kind of felt like when I even began to come out of the fog, which is interesting because you know, then it got worse. But mm-hmm. when I started to come out, I remember it's just seemed like everybody else had just kind of gone on mm. and I couldn't track with the conversations. I, mm. I just remember feeling really lost and not knowing where to, where to plug in at all. So it's mm. definitely a messy, messy period of time. Mm. Um, my kids went through very significant griefs, different than mine mm-hmm. and different from one another. Mm-hmm. So trying to navigate all the differences and mm-hmm. make sure my husband was, had just started a company. He was up to his eyeballs and stress. And so, oh my goodness. yeah, so, and I'm, I'm a chronic pain patient. Yes. So I'm doing it all with chronic pain every day. Yes. So I always thank God that I didn't drink alcohol, even casually, because I think I would have been. You can't combine that with pain medicine, oh.
1: <laughs> over the top grief. Yeah, I think oh. it yeah, just wouldn't have been pretty. But anyway, man, when you when like, like, you speak to all those different like <laughs> angles, it does sound yeah, like Job. I mean, was. body, you know, physical pain, yeah. emotional pain, yeah. um, relational. Like it was just, mm-hmm. it was everything, mm-hmm. all, all on top of the other. And like I said, Some people go back
0: to work. I couldn't go back to my work. I yeah, didn't, you know, everything was kind of moved on.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. gosh, I had never thought about that. From your angle because um, you know an interesting part of the story where we overlap is we had been serving together mm-hmm. in um, a married adult sunday school class mm-hmm. and when we started it my husband and i were only maybe a year and a half into mm-hmm. our marriage so right. obviously we're not going to be teaching anyone mm-hmm. how to be married but we were what our church calls the directors mm-hmm. so we would visit visitors at their house we would make phone calls we would give announcements of what's going on in the church and then Vicki and Brian, her husband, would teach mm-hmm. the class. And, you know, it was like that for that first two to four years mm-hmm. of our ministry together. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when Papa um, got sick and things just started getting really stressful, um, you guys kind of threw out, hey, would, would you and Garrick maybe put together a month-long mm-hmm. teaching series so we can take a breather, mm-hmm. we're caring for Papa, mm-hmm. uh, caring for Irene, it's just getting crazy. And so Which meant my husband was changing a diaper. Yeah, yeah, He'd been
0: most influential in his life when you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, and you know, for the past several years, when I say you and Brian had been teaching, you know, we do our class just a little bit differently than some. Um, Brian and Vicki and Garrick and I, we write our own Mm material. So when we're teaching a series, we are literally going to God's Word. We're using references. We're using books. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's several hours a week Mm -hmm. of just prepping for a teaching Mm -hmm. session, which we love Mm -hmm. and gives us life. But that was the first time we had taught small groups. We'd taught college groups, um, but that was the first time we'd been asked to actually teach Mm -hmm. like in the big class. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we were super excited for that, and for our perspective, that actually opened a door to our calling. Really, mm-hmm. that was when God confirmed in us. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys are called to actually do the teaching, not necessarily just mm-hmm. give the announcements. And so, it's interesting that that what was such a beautiful picture to us of you guys mm-hmm. sharing this ministry, and it ended up being about five years mm-hmm. of us teaching and mm-hmm. you guys just playing a supporting role with us. We were all still in that same classroom, but. Mm-hmm as you told, the story just kept getting heavier and heavier. And our four-week teaching series rolled into about five years. Yeah. And same with Bible study. You know, Vicki and I have co-led this Thursday Morning Women's Bible Study since I became a stay-at-home mom 16 years ago. And so I had never thought about that. But to see mm-hmm. only Heather's name on a mm-hmm. box, it does. I, I can mm-hmm. imagine that feels a little bit like, oh, so mm-hmm. what's, my, what's my role here?
0: Part, which is, you know, how it's supposed to be. And it's Part of how God brings beauty from ashes. Part right. of how He does that Romans eight twenty eight thing, and um you know brings good out of what seems horrible, ugly. Uh, but it still feels awful. Yes, <laughs> yes. It, it still feels really rough. And yeah, we were even when we went back to alternating teaching and uh-huh. stuff. Um, Brian and I had always taught together. I couldn't talk. Yeah. Because I couldn't talk about anything significant without crying. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, I was just a. I was a mess so i really was taken out of the ballpark yeah it was all over that's mm-hmm. why i say the deaths sound crazy enough but then there was so much stuff that that went around all of that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that just made it far more far more messy and mm-hmm. you know doing it all as a chronic pain patient Um uh, was just a, you know, that added just such a sweet little addition to <laughs> oh my goodness all.
1: I mean, really, you know, watching you, yeah. it felt like salt on a wound. <laughs> I mean, I can right now picture sitting in Starbucks with you and you talking about some of the new measures you were trying to go through with your chronic pain. And, you know, doctors were trying all these things and none of them were working and new medications. And, I mean, I can remember sitting across from you trying not, like oh, having a yeah. poker face, but... In my head, thinking, God, why? Like, are you kidding me? You know, this just... woman is a flipping mess. <laughs> <laughs> what well, are I going to do? <laughs> I don't know if I thought that. I just really felt like this is too much. Like, yeah. God, seriously. And and even when doctors thought they had a wonderful breakthrough, you know, procedure that was going to be your answer, and then it wasn't. I was like, I I don't get this. No. Like, this makes zero sense. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's me. I'm mm-hmm. out of the body, out of the home, just watching this. And so, I mean, speak to that a little bit. Like, what was your What was your heart and your mind processing and going through with all of this? I know there had to be some questioning, some doubting, some just, Lord, what in the world (laughs) is going on?
0: It was really messy. Some of the things that I wrestled with that everybody, you know, has their own things. But I was so afraid. It's very telling that when my mother passed away, I can remember when they were working on her and the doctors called everybody into this room to And were telling us, they were saying that, you know, what her body is doing, what you're witnessing, she's seizing, she's going to seize again. She will pass away. Mm. You need to know that. I remember I got up in the middle of the conversation and went in her room in the ICU, sat by her bed and just prayed. So sure. I've never been more sure, Heather, in my life of what God was going to do than in that moment. And I knew he was going to save her, Mm. pull her out of it. She had all sorts of family in the waiting room by this time. And I just thought, this is it. This is a front row seat to my whole family. Mm-hmm. right? always been the only one that attended church. I thought, they're all going to see what he can do. This is it. Mm. And when that didn't happen, um, I remember my very first thought was, oh, God, please don't let me disappoint you. Mm. So I dealt a lot with the fear that I might not be faithful to my faith. What if the woman who had taught Bible studies for all those years and who had taught young married couples, what if she tainted?
1: Mm.
0: What would that say? Well how would that mess with other people? And so I was so afraid that I might not do this well and that my faith might might come out to look might come out to show that it was far more surface mm. than what I had. What I had believed, not just what I tried to make others believe, Mm -hmm. but what I had believed. So I was really afraid of disappointing him. Mm -hmm. So that was a kind of a twisted thing that I worked through. I felt like I was being punished Mm -hmm. after a while. Have I really done something wrong? Mm -hmm. Did I somehow get out of line with you and didn't notice? Did I make this happen? Is it my fault? I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen all at once, does it? Um, So really had to work through, really had to work through that. So those are some pretty big big things that I worked through and I just couldn't see hope Mm -hmm. a year and a half later which is interestingly enough that's when the story got really difficult Mm -hmm. for me that first year year and a half I probably went through more typical grief scenarios but about a year and a half after first of December and I remember thinking you know what I think yeah I I can decorate for Christmas and I was feeling a little bit of Christmas spirit first time there had been any Mm. (laughs) evidence of anything like that in my soul Since all this, and um, I laid my head down at night, one night, I think it was about December the 9th, and all of a sudden something happened that from this side of it, I know was spiritual warfare. I didn't even know to say that at that time because it was so suffocating and all engulfing, but I feel like that it was really a full-on attack of the enemy to take me out, Mm. and because I was ready to get back in the race, Mm -hmm. and he couldn't have that. Can't have somebody who's been through the muck come back and say, man, God's bigger than than yes. I thought he was. Yes. And scripture really is true. And yes. he just couldn't handle that. He couldn't have that happen. And anyway, I could give all sorts of explanations <laughs> of what that season was like, but really dealt with huge anxiety. I remember um, constantly, I just felt like everybody I loved was going to die. And I wasn't afraid of being alone. I just knew I can't keep hurting this way over and over again. As you know, I'm highly relational. Right. And my people are, I really pour a lot into them. And I just can't keep hurting like this. So I literally remember thinking in my head, okay, I'm just not going to love like I love now. I can't. I can't do this Mm -hmm. anymore because I can't hurt like this again. Mm -hmm. So part of me wanted to pull away and distance myself. And then it was like, well, no that can happen. I mean, I remember all these thoughts and conversations between me and God. Mm-hmm. How do I respond to this? How do I do it well? And but huge panic attacks I've never had before. Mm-hmm. I couldn't sit in the inside of a booth because I thought I've got to get out. I've got to get out. I remember sitting at an OG football game and thinking if I didn't get out of the middle of that row, I was literally going to like, tear my shirt off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt so confined and restricted and Uh, it was really talking with the grief counselor just one time that really helped me with that. And I remember he said, his name is Bob Willis. He's a precious man. I would highly recommend him to anybody. Sue Ellen from our church basically made me go see him. She actually called and set up the appointment, Mm. which is a beautiful story of warrior women and how they come around you. But um, if you let them, but um, I can remember sharing with him how I felt. And he said, well, you know how it is, in Your home at night in the dark when you get up and you need a drink of water, he said, You don't turn on the lights because you know your house, mm. you know where you're walking. He said, But what happens when you stub your toe? What do you do? And I said, And he said, Exactly, instinctively, you hold your breath. And I said, Yes. And he said, Why do you do that? And I said, Because I know it's going to hurt. And he said, That's what you're doing. Mm. He said, You're afraid something else is going to happen. And it's like you're everything within you is tensing up and mm. holding your breath. And I and that. Just naming that was such a beautiful thing. I could hear the irrationality when somebody else said it. This is not how life is. It doesn't just one right after we have gone through a crazy season, but life does not continue to do this. But there's something about him kind of naming why I felt that it was like, okay, and slowly just through massive amounts of prayer and wrestling and holding on to God's word, that went away. I don't feel that way anymore. Mm. But it was very overwhelming. That's part of why I'm a big on celebrating your people now, mm. enjoying them, making them feel loved and enjoy. Mm. You know. Anyway.
1: Well, I know as a friend watching this, unusual season also led you into a really sweet time with your dad. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, the best.
0: <laughs> Who would think that three years of you know a terminal cancer diagnosis would be such a gift?
1: Mm.
0: But if my mom had been here. She would have done all that with him. Mm. It would have been her and him. And my sister and I, we would have just been supporting players. Yeah. But I have a precious dad, a quiet little man. And kind of came what I think of as more typical like man from the 50s, you know, a little difficult expressing emotion. But I never questioned that he loved me. I don't remember him ever saying it out loud, but I just I knew it by the way he lived. I mean, his way of showing affection when we were little was holding us down on the ground with one hand and tickling us until we thought we'd wet our pants. And then as a former Marine would, he taught me the pressure points. I can remember him holding me down on the ground and teaching me where to push, where to punch, where to jab. Oh, that's <laughs> you know? funny. And, uh, should you need. Yes, to... should you need. But that's how my dad expressed touchy feeling. But I had three years, uh, every doctor's appointment, every mm. chemo visit sitting beside him at the most vulnerable time of mm. his whole life. So the kind of conversations we had, just the time we had together, we have never had that many meals just yeah. together. Um, wow, what a beautiful gift. I've always said that's my silver lining in cancers. I got, a, I got not only the dad I had, but I got one I had never experienced before. Mm. And because I am apparently the walking embodiment of my mother, <laughs> the moment I walked in the room, my dad's whole countenance changed. Oh. And there's something about bringing somebody total joy just by being there. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never felt that as overwhelming, but in the midst of that, I felt more loved. Um, Just my presence um, was a comfort. And that's such a, that's such Mm. a, so I, Mm. so yeah, that was hard and really hard to watch a proud man um, lose strength and stuff like that. And, and all while he's so heavily grieving, Mm. but what we got to share together, I will
1: be forever grateful. Um, another silver lining that you've mentioned to me in past conversations was the way that God's word was kind of banked up, stored oh up gosh. in your heart. And you know, I mentioned a minute ago, the way we teach is we, we search the scriptures mm-hmm. and we we figure it out figure out what we're supposed to teach by asking the Lord and sure. then just learning, not just grabbing a workbook off the shelf, which we're also big fans of workbooks off the shelf, but you right. know, we just teach in a mm-hmm. different way. And so you had done that as you wrote your book. You did that as you had traveled to speak. And so you had spent hours in God's word, preparing messages for other women and for yourself. Yes,
0: I think it's to help other people. <laughs> right. That'd be
1: nice <laughs> but I know um, you've said yeah. in this season, sometimes it was hard to even lift your head and pick up your Bible. Yeah. And so share with us how, just how that played out. We all know that we're supposed mm-hmm. to be storing up God's word yeah. in our heart and scripture uses phrasing like that, but I don't think we really get it yeah. until we're in a like this where we really need it
0: i am a walking example of what it will do i mean it literally it can bring you back from the death mm. um mm. it's so weird and i didn't put this together till after, later on but you know my um last sharing his secrets came out in 2002 and for that book i did more research than i've ever done in my life because it was right every chapter deals with the face-to-face encounter jesus had with the woman So I know I'm going to be interpreting scripture and it's going to be in print. Mm -hmm. And so like, if I share something that is not right, I'm going to (laughs) mislead somebody in what the Bible says. And that felt so heavy. Right. So I have never searched so hard. And so, I mean, I mean, I was deep, deep in the word. And so by the time the book came out in 2002, I knew these 12 stories in my in my bones. Yeah, you know? they were your
1: best friends. They, they were deep within <laughs> it. And so
0: from 2002 to 2004, when I took that, what was supposed to be a year off of traveling and speaking on that book. Hmm. And so I had, to put it in perspective, for four years, I walked around sharing almost every month at least two times about Mary and Martha and how they responded when their brother Lazarus died and Jesus hmm. didn't come. And I had told people one of the secrets to learn from them is how to respond when you're brutally disappointed in mm. God. You run to him and not away from him. Oh, wow. When Jesus came into town, both of those women individually went to him. They were honest. They both said the same thing, which isn't weird because mm-hmm. you have a sister, so you would know that. I mean, that'd be it wouldn't be odd that you would respond like that. But right. both of them said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then, you know, Mary out this gorgeous confession, but even now, I still know, mm-hmm. I still know mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're the resurrection and the life, and then, or that was Martha, and then Mary, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, and then she just stays at his feet and cries, mm. you know, can't even speak anymore, but she's not going anywhere, she's staying where he is, and what did Jesus do? He yeah. Cried with her. Yeah. And so I traveled around telling people when the going gets rough, what do we do? What insights can we learn from Mm. this? We make sure we run to God and not away from him. I talked about the crippled woman and how when nobody else could see her and she wouldn't even as a woman even have been up close in church, but somehow Jesus saw her, called her close. And because of that, she got a fresh touch from God that day and her life was changed forever. Mm. I talked about Mary Magdalene and how precious it is that the first person Jesus appeared to was a woman bawling her eyes out in a graveyard. You know, and so when I am crying more than I ever thought in my life, those truths were so, I mean, they came to me. Mm. Even when I couldn't focus on reading in my soul, I knew God's word. I knew the truth of who he was. So Mm. that was such a gift. So for four years, I traveled trying to help other people after a year and a half of agonizing in scripture. So six years, I deeply embedded this. So during the, so then after that, I have a four year period where all my family members died and grief. And it's just like, God God is so precious that he would know and he would bank all that up because he knows my heart. Mm -hmm. He knows I have a genuine heart to to know him and to make him known. He knows that. So he helped me even when I didn't know that he was helping me. I thought we were Mm. helping other people, (laughs) (laughs) which is my preferred plan. Of course.
1: (laughs) Uh, always so that's
0: that's really sweet I mean I still had to I mean even that though wasn't enough I mean Mm -hmm. you know that I in the midst of it all when the going got tough I finally went to the computer and I did a I did a search in the bible on every verse on hope and I literally made a document and printed them out I carried a copy in my purse Mm -hmm. I had a copy I had verses on my uh, bathroom mirror I carried um, in my pocket um, because I constantly had to look at what was true Mm -hmm. so that when I didn't feel it or wasn't seeing it, I could still read it and say out loud. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And You know, Scripture, it's what it says in Hebrews. It's alive and active. Yes. So that's one of the sweetest things that came from it all is I really did believe God before. Yeah. (laughs) I really did believe His Word was true. Yeah. I really did believe He was who He said He was um, as much as my human mind could grasp at the time. But going through the pit, (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) it's like, it came a lot, and mm-hmm. it is all different. It's like like before I would have said, you know, this is true. This is who God is. You know, here's where it says in John such and such, no, 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 no. But now it's like, oh, my gosh, this is I lived this. I <laughs> yes. felt it. I breathed it. In Psalm 34, 18, um, Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Mm-hmm. That's not just a verse. I saw it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it saved me. It really did. It saved my sanity, I feel mm-hmm. like. So I really did get to see a lot. You know, our friend Kyla is going through um, chemo treatments right now, and I got to be with her Monday, which is a really cool thing. Um, Most people get freaked out by that kind of thing, but I'm not freaked out by it at all. I've lived it for years, yeah. Yeah. And so I remember she said something that was like, I can't believe you're saying that at this point in the journey, but she said, I feel like I have a front row seat to how good God is and what he's doing. Wow. And I thought, yeah, Mm. you really do.
1: Well, like you said, you know, we can talk and teach about Mary and Martha and their grief, and it's mm-hmm. very real, and it's very true, and right. it does bring encouragement mm-hmm. because God's Word right. is living and active, mm-hmm. but when we experience it in living color okay. in our own life and flesh and mm-hmm. day-to-day, yeah. then it just, it's almost like it opens your mind to a whole yeah. new way yeah. of God moving and breathing and living.
0: Yeah. And it gives your it gives your ministry from then on a little more Grit, a little more street cred. Absolutely, I'm going through the pit. I want somebody who's gone through the pit to be the one trying to to give encouragement to me. You know, absolutely. Um,
1: God met you in the middle of this, and He, you saw Him working. You saw glimpses of Him, and some of them are what people would expect, like through Scripture, maybe through songs on the radio, um, things like that. And then there's a couple of really fun and different ways that you saw God show up in your life. To walk us through that, because there may be a listener who um, is not looking and finding God in those everyday little touches. And I think, um, gosh, it's a tragedy when we miss that, because yeah. he does want to show up, obviously, in the pages of his word, but also in our house, yeah. on the streets.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I've shared with you before a funny, um, not funny, it was eye-opening when my son was a little bitty boy in the back seat in a car seat. We were driving down the road, and um, <clears throat> Parker says, uh, "Mama," and he points his little finger out the window. Moon, and I'm mm-hmm. like, "No, Parker, it's not the moon. The moon's not out during the day." Because you know, at 30 years old, I had all that wisdom and knew exactly how things like that worked. And and he just kept saying it over and over, <laughs> like a toddler, a tenacious right? toddler would do. So after about the third time of saying, "No, Parker, there is no moon. The moon's not out during the day," I whip my head out the window and I'm like, "No, Parker, the." That- oh my gosh, there's the moon. You know, I never knew you could sometimes see it in the middle of the day. And I remember at that moment, it's like God turned a light bulb on my Mm. head and said, you didn't see the moon because you didn't never expected it to be there. You weren't looking for it. When you get really desperate and your background is as a Bible teacher and a Bible leader. um, I mean, I, I tried so hard to look for him Mm. during that difficult season. I, I, I needed the hope. It's not just that I was trying to do the great and noble thing. I was desperate. Mm-hmm. I was really vulnerable. I've never felt vulnerable like that. Mm-hmm. You know, from just the sunset that you know is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But when everything in your world feels like it just got yanked from under your feet and the total balance of your family, your life, your work, all got jumbled up like in a blender on high speed pulse. Um, just to see, you know what? That still happens every day. It mm-hmm. does that every day. Every day, you paint that. You know, there have been all sorts of pictures. People have tried to imitate that beauty forever. Nobody can do it like
1: he mm-hmm, doesn't. Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think that's when I became just a real appreciator of beauty that I hadn't, I mean, I think I had enjoyed before, but never like that. Mm. So just the acknowledgement that there are some things that really are the same. I remember years before I had a really good friend who uh, was when we were just before we turned 40, both of us, her husband passed away in a, a tragic plane accident. And I remember her telling me in that first year, um, she said, you know, joy and sorrow really can live in the same heart. Mm. And I kept hearing that in my mind, mm. that there's no way to candy coat that this is just hard right now. But by golly, if there's joy to be found, I'm going to look for it. You know, one of the sweet things. Most un things that my husband has ever done in his entire life. I mean, if you know him, you only knowing him would make you really appreciate this. But so, this is parent, our mothers had passed away. Um, our de- my dad had just been diagnosed. Um, he says, You know, hey, you want to meet me for dinner at the lake um, after work? And I'm like, Great, didn't even think about why we would be meeting. Sometimes he has meetings late, and so. Um, so yeah, I'll meet you there. So we had, um, just an I remember when I got there, there was a rose sitting at my plate. I'm Like, What is this? It's this is a month before our anniversary. I'm thinking, did I miss something, you know, <laughs> uh, because I am a bit of a mess at this period. And, um, there was a little card and, and just something really sweet about how he wanted to, uh, he wanted to celebrate our anniversary this entire month. You Aww. know, uh, I mean, it was something just really sweet. This is a man who agonizes over writing a letter. I'm like, so I'm totally taken aback by Well, how precious this is. And well, I'm just enjoying lunch at Lake Hefner, dinner at Lake Hefner, looking at the beautiful water, you know, water, my favorite thing. And afterwards we're walking into the parking lot and we're going to our, where'd you, he said, um, I was, I was walking to my car and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my car. And he said, no, you're not. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you mean? I've got my keys and in my hand, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to." He said, "No, those won't. Those won't do it." And so he puts <laughs> this little button on this key fob in his hand, and all of a sudden, lights go on on this little convertible. <laughs> I'm like, "What?" I'm the tops down. Oh, I've mean, been my dream as long as I can remember. You know, I just love to drive a convertible. Just drive one. Aww. and he's like, "This is it," and I'm thinking, "What did he do? is he like?" rent a car for the evening. Can you do that kind of thing? You know, we don't do that kind of thing. And he says, no, it's yours. The man literally spontaneously when life turned into a messy gobbledygook went out and bought me a two door convertible. And so during this time when I keep crying and crying and crying, literally everywhere I'm driving, the wind is blowing my hair off my face you know, I'm driving down the Hefner Parkway, and I feel like I'm driving down Highway 1 in California Aww. by the lake, by, by the beach, or, you know, down 30A in Florida, and, Aww. you know, that's what I'm seeing, Lake Hefner, right. I'm seeing it as the beach. But um, who knew that a car would be such a gift? I remember when it came time that it was time to sell the car. I mean, it's highly impractical in the winter in Oklahoma, and we don't really know how to do roads when they're bad, and so it was very low to the ground, and, I remember the first time he mentioned selling it, I just started crying. Uh I was like, what in the world? I've never been a big possession girl in my life. But it was because that car just brought some joy. Even just driving by myself, it was just fun. Um, This is a crazy thing. Uh We had the goofiest dog at the time that literally was a nutcase. He was a a brown chocolate lab and he jumped straight up and down like he was on a pogo Uh (laughs) stick. And every time I pulled in the driveway... In my little convertible, boing, 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 (laughs) there's Moose jumping up and down because he's so excited to see me. Oh, I
1: remember
0: Moose. And I can remember, you know, just laughing at the heartbreak. Um, I remember one time Brian and Parker, our son, and I went to see the movie Get Smart in the movie theater. Oh, my (laughs) gosh, almighty. I laughed so hard. Parker was like, oh, my gosh, Mom, you're embarrassing me. We got to get her out of here. I could not in that scene in the airplane when he keeps shooting himself with the thing. I lost it. And so good just to laugh. Yes. Life is so heavy. So, yeah, I remember certain odd little everything from a, a car to a puppy to a funny movie. You know, there were, there were glimmers of... You know there are glimmers of hope and yeah. fun in that, but you gotta, you gotta be willing to embrace them. Mm. You know, you really do, mm. um, because they're not, they're not easy to see sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta appreciate them to for what for they it. are.
1: <laughs> well, and we've both been around long enough and watched people grieve and go through hard seasons mm-hmm. long enough to know that. Uh, some people do really isolate and turn inward, and you know it only is the most
0: natural response, mm-hmm. like a wounded animal. You want yes. to pull into a cave and lick your wounds,
1: and just stay somewhere that feels safe. And to- you're so
0: depressing, you know, you're depressing to everybody because <laughs> you feel like you are the walking epitome of death and <laughs> and you bring that everywhere so you don't want to go to
1: somebody's birthday
0: party you don't want everybody oh there's the sad girl uh, so yeah your natural tendency is
1: just to withdraw. just to, yeah to withdraw and to not look for the fun yeah. to not look for mm-hmm. um not to go to not go to the places that are going to make you laugh that are gonna where someone might ask you how are you today mm-hmm. you know because yeah. like you said that feels very vulnerable and overwhelming and you have this tension of do I really say how I am or do I just, just put on I the know, everything's the fine? Yeah. Yes, but I know that you, um, because we're friends and I was one of these people in your life, like we continued to meet, we continued to have coffee, we continued mm-hmm. to talk at church and you know, texting. And so, I know that you continued to be very real to people that you felt safe with and that you felt like you could be real with. There were
0: very few, mm-hmm. very few people that felt really that safe.
1: Mm-hmm. That could
0: handle. <laughs> hmm. That could handle the dark cloud coming at them, <laughs> and that's something I had to work through. And you know, and just giving grace and realizing—I mean, interesting—you know, really the women that I felt like really prayed me through. Um, most of them were not close friends; hmm. they weren't my close friends, and I had a—I had a good hand, a good selection of close friends. But it wasn't because they didn't care. It wasn't because they didn't care about me or whatever. It's because they were up to the eyeballs taking care of their own world. You know, it's not just because they were cold and insensitive. Right. They all had kids the same age as mine voice recitals and graduating and singing at baccalaureate, uh, playing football, and their lives are really full. When the first time, like I said about that night when I laid my head on the pillow and life got really dark, like I said, that was like December the 9th. So you're almost at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So everybody's into all their Christmas stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of weird. The one thing you do remember is who was there. Mm. <laughs> When life got really dark, I can remember thinking about, you know, a friend, well, you know, she really didn't care. And and then I realized, and I thought, you know what, Vicki Lynn, that is, let's look beyond that. She probably, she had her own stuff going on, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, she did. But some people withdraw, I mean, most people withdraw from grieving people just because they don't know what to do, afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, there's a hundred reasons, but the natural response not only is for a grieving person to withdraw, but it's for everybody to withdraw from them, Mm -hmm. which is very dangerous combination. Um, I did, there were a few safe people that mm-hmm. I did talk through, and that's all you need. It is. You don't need everybody, Well, no, but, and you, need some, but you need somebodies.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and we both know that some of those women that you would say kind of came out of the woodwork, they're people who you knew who they were, you knew you were casual friends or you were Bible study acquaintances or whatever, but some of those women that really came out of the woodwork as your prayer warriors, those are the ladies that had walked something dark before mm-hmm. also, and yes. just like you made the reference with Kyla, you know, you're able to sit with her during chemo because you've been there. Uh, She's probably got friends in her life right now who don't know quite what to do. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I do love that piece of this. And honestly, it's the the point of this whole podcast is the fact that when we walk through something hard and then God reveals his beauty later, we have that now, Mm -hmm. like we have that as a gift that we can give someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really sweet that some of the ladies who you got really close with and just cried and prayed with and they were on their knees for you at all hours of the night. You know, these are ladies on the other side of it. I I actually
0: reached out to them. I mean, when I hit like rock bottom, it was was really scary. I knew that I, I somehow knew I was in danger, you Mm -hmm. know, and so I reached out to what I consider warrior women and it was a small group. And I sent out a message and I said, I am in trouble. And here's what's happened. I can't quit crying. I can't see straight. And they knew me well enough to know I was in trouble by what I was sharing. And so they knew the depth of it, that they were every one who have been through awful stuff. Some of them who I got to know in the middle of it, some of them before that, but I knew no matter what was going on at Christmas time in their mm. world, they would not forget. Mm-hmm. And I knew they understood desperation, and I knew they wouldn't forget me. Mm-hmm. And I was really afraid. I knew I needed somebody to carry me. And then I had I had my husband, yeah. who um, I know I scared to death, <laughs> but um, who prayed like a wild man. Mm-hmm. And then there were just a few close friends like you mm-hmm. that continued to ask, even mm-hmm. though they knew the answers weren't going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> to how I was what I was thinking. How I was mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and then, of course, I had my children yeah. who had a front row seat to, yeah. oh, my gosh, what's going on with our mother mm-hmm. and dealing with their own stuff in their own life. And so they we we prayed a lot for one another. Mm.
1: So. Well, I will never forget, because as a friend, that was the first time that I I actually had to walk or got to walk through mm-hmm. something really hard mm-hmm. with someone, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest. I felt Mm ill-equipped. I didn't know what to say. I'll never forget walking into your parents' room when we were bringing the meal before Mm -hmm. your mom's service. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget going. You were in a back bedroom. You were laying down because you... This was when (laughs) your mother passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I walked in. Your head was was killing you. Um, And I walked in. I was going to just sneak out. And Brian said, no, she would want to know you're here. Mm -hmm. So I walked in. The room was dark. You were laying down. And, I, I mean, it was just heartbreaking grief all over your face. And I'll never forget you sat up to hug me and you said, this is a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I don't know what just happened. Mm -hmm. And as a friend, I'll never forget holding you in that moment and thinking, I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're both communicators. Mm -hmm. I, I love to be the one that has the word of encouragement, (laughs) you know, and sometimes God gives that word. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget a moment when the Holy spirit really, led me into new territory, mm-hmm. and confirmed in my heart, just hug her, just That's hold it. her, just sit there. Um, and it felt so weird <laughs> for a word girl to mm-hmm. just yeah. to just be a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can remember that happening again, you know, multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, and then I've, I remember when the Lord would prompt and say, ask her, ask her how she is, ask her how you can pray for her, random mm-hmm. times to text you, which mm-hmm. I know now those aren't random. That's a mm-hmm. time that you Absolutely. probably were mm-hmm. in the pit of despair, and God puts on my heart, you know, to text yep. you, or just mm-hmm. to pray for you. But mm-hmm. just on this side of it, I want to encourage our listeners, like it doesn't feel comfortable for anyone. It's right. not, it doesn't feel natural to sit there with a friend whose heart mm-hmm. is breaking. And um, honestly, I, I understand why some people were just like, I'll just wait. I'll mm-hmm. wait until the season passes because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But I've Mm -hmm. seen with you and with other friends now that God has allowed me to grieve with it takes your friendship to a death in a place that you just can't get to Mm -hmm. otherwise. Mm -hmm. And, and it makes me so Mm -hmm. grateful. And it's the only way that Mm -hmm. we can learn and grow and be there for one another is to step into Mm -hmm. the pain. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Be there. That is the single most important thing you can do is be there. Like you said, that is tough because we, especially girls like us who are word girls, we want the word. We want to be able to say something that will make it all better or put it into a bright new perspective and give them hope for the future. But there is nothing like being there mm-hmm. and just holding somebody, just touching somebody. Just I've got a young friend now who just lost a mother. And um, I mean, in my job now, mm. every week, literally the women who I'm coming in closest contact with are dealing with the messiest gobbledygook of stuff. Mm. And... I'm like, yeah, bring them, you know, I'm, I'll talk with them. I'll cry with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know some of them, like, I could tell when a woman comes forth for prayer, like on Sunday morning, I don't know what it is, but I can tell as she approaches, if she just needs me to reach out my arms and hold her. Mm -hmm. And I can't. women who I don't know and who Mm -hmm. I feel just, you know, just let go and relax Mm -hmm. in me. Um, You know, some of us aren't comfortable with that but touch and presence presence is just the biggest thing just just showing just being there Mm -hmm. um through social media and stuff we become more and more removed i think through naturally doing that and it's so it becomes even more and more important because Mm -hmm. we don't have as much of it Mm -hmm. i can remember being at my dad's house on, on really tough days like when he was in hospice and I remember my friend Monica showing up with these um, chocolate cupcakes, and Monica has a unique way of relating to people from every single solitary walk of life. Mm-hmm. So my very quiet, private dad just talked away with Monica. You know, <laughs>
1: um,
0: I mean, it was so comfortable. I mean, she just made him so comfortable, and she was. It was just so nice to have. Fresh air in yes. our house. To yes. have a fresh face. Somebody from the outside world, I <laughs> could say, the Bradford trees really are blooming. You should step out the door, walk me to my car and mm. just feeling the wind on your face. I can hear my friend Sarah McCoy showed up with some yellow dish towels. And she said, I was at Target, I was shopping, and I saw these, and I know yellow is your favorite color. And she said, I thought you could just use a little yellow in your mm. life. And it was like, oh my gosh, yes, I can <laughs> use yellow in my life. Uh, my friend Jetta was God's gift to me. I mean, every Monday morning, she came and picked me up. She made me get in her car, drove me to Starbucks, got me outside, and she has um, such a beautiful way about her. She, can, she knows when to just talk. When you can't talk. And so she'll just fill in the space. <laughs> but she also knows when she's also okay with going to the deep, hard place. Mm-hmm. But she made me get out of my house. Mm-hmm. And even when, I mean, I know I was not a bright spot of encouragement in her life. Probably uh, probably sent her to on her knees many times uh, to God with a broken heart. But she came by every week. It's incomparable. That's <laughs> yeah. in- incomparable she's my girl. Yes. <laughs> you know?
1: Yes. I remember you also, I think this was probably when you were kind of starting to crawl <laughs> your way back out, mm-hmm. but you volunteered at our friend's cupcake shop because mm-hmm. you wanted to be a blessing to them. And you knew being around desserts and treats and people who are hanging out in a coffee shop, place. it's happy. There's nothing better, well, you I'm know, not
0: happy about sprinkles for crying out loud. Exactly. That was my job. Exactly. I- I singed in sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, Two days a week, I just Went to her cupcake shop. Not something I've longed to do my whole life, but I do enjoy a good cupcake. Yes. Uh, But it was just, it got me out of the house. It was Mm -hmm. a happy thing. I've learned a lot from other people. You know, I really prefer to learn my hard lessons from other people. I had a really close friend one time that went through a horrible divorce she did not want. Um, She went down and served in a soup kitchen downtown every week. Mm. And she said, there's just, it's just the reminder that you are not alone. And I mean, that could be sound kind of twisted. Like you really want to know other people are hurting too, but, <laughs> but it's very easy to be isolated and mm-hmm. think it's just me and mm-hmm. it's just my world. And every week, I mean, I, if I could tell you just the stories of the women who I've just talked to in the last two weeks and the stuff, I mean, they feel taken out of the game mm-hmm. because of the mess of their life. Mm-hmm. And there's just something about getting out and saying, you know what? There's other people hurting too. And, you know, I really don't have it enough together to be able to speak great wisdom, but I can ladle some soup. I could show up to a prayer room and pray for somebody else hurting because I I know what it feels like to hurt. Yeah. And that's such a healthy thing. Such a healthy thing. Um,
1: There is. Well, there's just something about serving other people oh, too. You, yeah. you enter into their pain. Mm-hmm. You also just realize I do still have something to give, mm-hmm. yeah. whether it's mm-hmm. giving a cup of hot mm-hmm. soup to someone who's mm-hmm. homeless or putting sprinkles mm-hmm. on a cupcake for mm-hmm. your friends. You yeah. know, there's, there's just something mentally that that does to remind you, I might be in this really awful pit right now, but mm-hmm. I still have something sure. to offer.
0: And for me, I mean, like the, like working at Cuppies and Joe, I couldn't, um, I couldn't do the things I'd normally done. I couldn't stand up and teach. I couldn't disciple somebody else at that moment. I couldn't travel and speak. I couldn't write a book. So I had to really look for what is okay to do. That's Mm -hmm. when I started arranging flowers. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. It wasn't, you know, very spiritually deep or anything like that. But it was a season where a lot of my friends' children, first children, were getting married and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So I did a lot of stuff like that for their showers and things like that. So I found that there were ways that I could help and serve and get out and do something. It might not look deeply meaningful or like how I had viewed serving others before, but it was helpful for me and it was helpful knowing I was doing at least something to help somebody else. So Mm. it's kind of a win-win all around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you really did kind of all the things across the board. I mean, you, you, and I loved watching that all unfold. It was like, Oh, what's your hobby this week? Oh, flower (laughs) arranging. Oh, cake decorating class. (laughs) Oh, hand lettering. You know, it was just, it just kept, but I loved it because you were intentionally finding joy. Um, in unusual well, places.
0: I'm quasi-creative. You know, I'm <laughs> it's not true. truly creative, but um, <laughs> I've got enough in me that makes me really want to be. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was a time. I, my time wasn't taken up doing right. all my normal things. And yeah. so I did really get to look into things I was interested in before and did learn that there was great joy yes. in creating beauty and yeah. simple things. Mm-hmm. And so there's real healing in that. Mm-hmm. And still, even to this day, sometimes when, even when I feel ministry responsibilities super heavy or things going on really intense schedules, sometimes I just need to do something with my hands. I just mm-hmm. need to stop and
1: do something pretty. And there's like an instant gratification yeah. to that. Yeah. You instantly make something look better and prettier and yeah. brighter. And it just...
0: Yeah. And I don't know if I had it that much beforehand, but so maybe part of it was, you know, really this season and being able to explore some things or so intentionally trying to find the goodness (laughs) of the Lord in the land of the living. But it is something that there's a part of that that still stayed with Mm -hmm. me and that's Mm -hmm. still important.
1: Well, as we begin to wrap up this part of our, our interview, um, I know you've said to me personally, um, you've made the comment, what I would say to her now is so different yes. than what I would have said years ago. Mm-hmm. And some of that is we've talked through, like you've mm-hmm. lived it. And mm-hmm. so not only do the scriptures mean something on paper, but they've come alive in your sure. heart. So I would love for you to close out this portion, just speaking to that woman who's sitting on the other side of this microphone mm-hmm. um, in the middle right now of the mess.
0: Well, first, I, I wouldn't say I'd just let her talk. Mm. So tell me what's going on. How are you feeling? What are you thinking? Um, I would not say, let me know if there's something I can do. Or let me know if you need anything. Mm. Because when you are in the spin cycle of suffering, grief, whatever it is you're going on, you can't think straight. You don't know what you need. Mm. So... Now I would, you know, so I would say, first of all, that you're not losing your mind. I remember a beautiful set of pamphlets, small booklets that the church sent me when my mother passed away, Doug Manning. And the very first line was something like, you're not losing your mind. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, so you're not all those crazy thoughts that are spinning in your head, not being able to focus. Um, I just let her talk. And then I just pray for her. Mm -hmm. I found that there is, there's nothing like hearing somebody else go to Jesus for you. Mm -hmm. And we have to accept our own limitations. You know, we don't have the answers. I don't know specifically, here's the one, two, three to make your life all pretty again. But being there, holding someone, letting them talk, praying for them and over them with them in their presence To me, those are just, those are great practical things. And so I just say, get it out, Mm -hmm. you know, get it out. God is not afraid. Um, You are not going to offend him. He
1: Mm -hmm. already knows
0: what you're thinking and how you're feeling. He's made it crystal clear in scripture that um, he is here for you, period. Mm -hmm. So just get it out. It's like the Psalms, I mean, the psalmist, they, they get it out. And I mean, some of it, I mean, you should see the Psalms in my Bible, <laughs> they are heavily marked up. <laughs> and when David is just, you know, everything is against me, I'm in the pit of despair. And I mean, he just, he, he, they never get in trouble for sharing mm-hmm. their real emotions. God chose to keep it in his book for mm-hmm. crying out loud. Scripture says, trust in me at all times, oh so people, pour out your heart before me. So, giving your honest emotions, get it out. I think it is it is this unfortunate thought we have. We're so want to hold it together that we don't work through our stuff. I could not have held in my emotion. I had to learn to be okay with that. And I had to learn that, you know what? I'm going to be healthier on the other side. I am going to face this juck head on and I'm going to read the books. I'm going to read the booklets and I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep pouring my heart out because I know what the Bible says. And it tells me in the end, I'm going to be able to lead people through the streets in praise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It tells me that I will be able to comfort other people. That's not going to happen if I don't walk through the hoop, Mm -hmm. if I don't let him comfort me with what I need. That's what I would say to her, Mm -hmm. what I would say to other people. You know, there's a hundred things I'm sure that you could do. When I sit through a funeral, I will oftentimes write down the birthday of the person that's just passed away. And I will pray for those. I will pray for those family members. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day. I will oftentimes let them know. Yes. I'll send a card. If I'm getting ready to go to the grocery store, I've got some errands to run at the mall. Do you need anything? If I had other great skills, like if I was a mechanic, make sure their car stayed serviced. If I was an accountant, I'd help with their bills. Um, you know, if you cook, we'll make meals. You know, i just mm-hmm. show up. And I do a lot of what you do. I set a lot of reminders on my phone mm-hmm. because I know myself. I have great intentions and really poor follow-through, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so I'll have reminders. You know, pray, more and different than before. And if somebody comes to mind, I try to pray right then. Mm. I try to take it as a nudge from God. Oh. It's
1: a man. practical thing. I love all those. that. You know? Yes. I, yeah. I really do love those practical mm-hmm. suggestions because mm-hmm. I there's nothing like that hopeless mm-hmm. feeling. And you can't mm-hmm. change their circumstance and you mm-hmm. can't change their grief at that moment. It will pass, but um, do what you can do. Well, when I think of your story, I was thinking this morning in um, preparation for our talk, and I thought of the verse, Psalm 30, verse 11, which says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth, and you clothed me with gladness. And you know, over a decade removed from these things. They're still tender. They still left their mark, but you are a different woman now. I do see gladness and joy, and you. Um, I see you in the hall with your granddaughter full of joy. You've got a grandson coming soon. I see you back to the Vicki that I met celebrating your people, loving life, and so I see that God has truly done that in your life, and we praise Him for that. Only
0: Him. Yeah, only Him. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought I would have had the energy. So exactly.
1: Yeah. So hopefully someone out That's there today right. is in the in the middle of mm-hmm. it, feeling like a totally different person and in some ways, you will be different when you, you when always. you emerge mm-hmm. to the other side, mm-hmm. but you will be filled with joy mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, so because this is the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast, I always close asking my guests, what is making your life beautiful today? And it could be anything from a Starbucks drink to a new soap you're using to something deep and spiritual.
0: Trying to pay attention and look for it. I do have two beautiful brand new peonies that have just bursted on my peony bush and I have little buds all over the place. I do love flowers. So spring is my, it's my favorite. I'm not a Christmas girl like you are. I want things to come alive and I want life and green. And want, There's something about spring that speaks hope to my soul. And I, um, so I paying attention to those things. Obviously my granddaughter, oh my gosh, um, she is full on personality right now. So That's a big thing. I leave Saturday to go to the beach to celebrate five girlfriends having big zero birthdays. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Brian and I are talking about um, our anniversary in August, and he really wants to do something different to market and something just the two of us and my people. We've just celebrated, you know, my daughter's 30th birthday, my granddaughter's second birthday, uh, my niece who shouldn't be alive, her 28th birthday. Mm. So, you know, baking the cakes and... Wrapping the presents pretty and just fully, uh, you know, fully celebrating them. Mm -hmm. The two, you know, two things I'm always left with was that one, sooner or later, you know, you're going to, people are going to go. And so I, if I'm the one left behind, I'm going to want to know that I made them feel crazy loved and appreciated and valued while they were here. So I, I want to, so I want to celebrate. I can either live in fear of losing people and be crazy and anxiety ridden, or I can just enjoy them while I have them to the maximum. Yes. So that's the one thing. The other thing is that I'm sooner or later, I'm going to go. It might be suddenly like my mother. And I might not have any warning and be able to, you know, do the, mm-hmm. um, you know, take the time. Oh, I'm dying now. I'm on my deathbed. I want <laughs> you to Write those letters. Feel, say yeah, those yeah, words. whatever. But uh, I, they're going to be hurting. Mm-hmm. And so I want to leave them with great memories. I want to leave them with positive memories of somebody who was fully engaged. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fully engaged with them. That inspired them. Mm-hmm. That that helped them. That encouraged them. That, you know, I mean, I, I, I want... The time I had here, time mattered, and yes. made a difference. So I want to plug them on here. Yes. So those are kind of the two things I'm I I try to live by.
1: Well, thank you so much sure. for thank being you. here for sharing your hearts. I have no doubt that there are women who were encouraged with this episode and that will want to reach out to you. And so, listeners, sure. if you want to reach out to Vicky, mm-hmm. you can find her um, on the blog mm-hmm. or Instagram. You can find her at Council Road Women. That's the uh, that's a handle for Instagram and also for the Facebook page yes. mm-hmm. and then she mentioned earlier the blog that she manages and contributes to and that's at councilroadwomen.org so you can contact her there also just a plug if you haven't subscribed to that blog you will be really blessed if you do we yeah. don't spam you with you know email every day you will get two emails a week and it's just two emails telling you there's a new blog out mm-hmm. and uh, they're written from women from all seasons all stages all walks of Christian life. And you will be very encouraged by that blog. Mm-hmm. So definitely subscribe there and then reach out to Vicki. You can also just find her at Council Road Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you do go to that church and you have a need, she stands up front every Sunday waiting to pray for <laughs> women in need, just like she mentioned. Right. So she would be honored to talk with you, to pray with you if you would reach out to her. But Vicki and I encourage you to go out and fully live your life and fully experience the God who loves you so very much and wants to show up in your everyday. So listeners, go out and live your one uniquely beautiful story.
0: Thank you for listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McInerney. Share this podcast with a friend and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now go live your own story.